Burger, pizza and pasta. Welcome back to San Lucero and I'm Xavier. I'm Dylan. Welcome back to another episode. Today is the second rendition of the AFL review and in my opinion, it was a fantastic week of football, Zave. Yeah, um, looking at it before the start of the week, we didn't think it was going to be such a great week as far as we thought a lot of the games were going to be blowout victories, but there are a few upsets and a few games that didn't quite go the way we expected, so it's always pretty good. Yes, for sure. And before we get into the tips or and reviews, is there anything else you'd like to say? I do have a little bit of NBA news and just a few things that are going around the league that I'd like to hear your opinion on, Dylan. So I'll get into that now. Um, we saw Blake Griffin make his debut for the Brooklyn Nets today and wasn't a very impressive start. He did get the long-awaited, uh, the long-awaited dunk that we've all been uh, looking forward to, but uh, so, uh, did you get to watch him and what are your thoughts on him? I did I, see a little bit and in my opinion, he actually did fulfill the role reasonably well. He was great on the defensive end. He had a good block. He had multiple stops and him alongside Nick Claxton along the bench was a really good one-two punch for the defensive side of things, but he only played 15 minutes and once he's fully healthy, I know he's had some time off, but there's always a game that you need to come back and just settle yourself before you get back into having bulk minutes. But yeah, I think it was good today, to be honest. You did actually briefly touch on the next little note I have here, which was on Nicholas Claxton. I think he's been incredible the last couple of games, especially on the defensive end. Um, we know he's had his uh, pretty funny interview, but I think what he can bring for the Nets on the court, sort of replacing Jared Allen as that defensive big could be really important for them going down the line, especially if they have to verse someone like uh, Anthony Davis or Jokic or someone else, whoever they will meet, even Joel Embiid in the East. But um, yeah, I think he's been really good. And I think Blake Griffin could be good for them as well. We saw Luka Doncic had eight out of eight threes. So that was incredible as well. He started the year off very poorly from, from, behind the, from behind the arc and was shooting at just about the worst in the league. So uh, to see him get, getting his, his touch back is very good for not only him, but the Mavericks as well. And I think we even saw him getting double teamed from the second the ball was inbounded. So what are your thoughts on that, Dylan? Yeah, no, look at the all-round performance from the Mavericks today. I think it was a 40-point blowout. And Dame and CJ couldn't do anything to prevent the prevent the flow. But yeah, Luca was amazing. 34 points on 8 of 9 for 3. As you said, hit his first 4. And that's the Luca I think we all expected before the season. Yeah, I, I know before the season started, we did the tier maker of uh, top NBA teams. And we had the favourites and then the contenders. And I put the, I begged you to put the Mavericks on the contenders list. And uh, they definitely haven't lived up to that so far. How far do you think they can go in the playoffs this year? Look, you definitely wouldn't want to face them first round, especially if they're the sixth seed or seventh seed or even fifth seed. But yeah, I'd see them second round. And, you know, if Luca does what he did against the Clippers in the bubble, possibly conference finals, but the West is stacked. And the team that's surprisingly lost 20 in a row is the Rockets, who we all predicted to be reasonable. But... Yeah, I think they'll go second round and possibly conference. Uh, I I didn't actually predict the Rockets to be that good, but mainly because I thought James Harden would leave. But 
we know no one or not everyone saw that coming so not everyone predicted them to to be as bad as they are but yeah. even with the team that they have right now you'd think they could be a little bit better obviously they picked up all the depot christian woods coming back now mm-hmm. um they've waved to marcus cousins but he was good while he was there yeah. so it's a little bit disappointing from them still in regard to injuries we've got LeBron James and Joel Embiid, who were easily the two favourites for MVP just a couple of weeks ago, are both injured with somewhat long-term injuries. Um, does that change where you see the MVP? Uh, are you leaning to more Luka, Jokic and even James Harden? Or do you still think LeBron and Joel Embiid have a chance? I think Jokic would probably be the favourite, mainly because we saw last year there were a few other players who were injured and they were just not forgotten about, but they weren't taken into account fully. So I think, unfortunately, it does, which is terrible because Joel Embiid and LeBron are having unbelievable seasons and they're really carrying their team. To me, I think the LeBron still has a little bit of a chance, given that he's been... or Given that he had only missed one game before his injury, but I don't think Joel has that great a chance, given that... He'd already missed a lot of games before he suffered his knee injury. So I don't think he's the best chance. I think LeBron may be a chance, but I, I think I agree with you. If Jokic continues to put up numbers that he is, which are ridiculous, by the way, and the Nuggets can win a couple more games, I think uh, he's definitely the favourite. Um, the other one who has also only just got injured, Lamelo Ball. We know he's going to be out for the rest of the season now, which is really unfortunate for me to have my two favourite players in the league out at the same time. Do you think he's still a chance for Rookie of the Year? And if not, who do you think will win? Yeah, it's dreadful save. I do think he'll win Rookie of the Year, but Anthony Edwards has a solid resume as well. But Lamelo's been unreal. Yeah, I agree with you again. Um, Lamelo Ball, he's one of my favourite players players uh but he's got his team in the playoff picture not only in the picture but they're in the top eight teams as of right now um he's won both of the rookie of the months in the eastern conference which unfortunately for anthony edwards hasn't won any of them yet given uh tyrese halliburton has won both of them but he's been really really good you talked about his improved uh shooting that's almost up at i think 38 percent now which is above league average so and he's shooting like deep shots and a lot of them. So he's been really, really good. And I think he's still a very good chance of winning. Tyrese Halliburton as well for the Kings. Extremely diverse and underrated. But that's the NBA talk. And now to the AFL. And I'll let you kick us off with what was a brilliant first game of the round. Your Blue Boys who were strong until the final five minutes against the reigning Premiers. I think this was a, a really interesting game. I'd lost my voice after about five minutes. So that wasn't good. I think the the Carlton was really good and I actually think through the first three quarters we were better than Richmond worked. Richmond did Richmond things and they in the last quarter they blew us out really. They kicked multiple, multiple goals and we just didn't have the answers. So they ended up winning and it was ended up winning by I think twenty four points, which I'm not sure was per- perfectly depicts how the game went, but they they won and they deserve to win, so well done to them. Yeah, 25 points, which doesn't encapsulate how the game went, as you said. But Jacob Wiedering continued his form that earned him the Blues best and fairest. He shut down Tom Lynch just to one goal. Jack Nunes had 27 disposals, so definitely some positives for the Blues. But from Richmond, it was dusty, and boy, was it dusty. In the last quarter, he turned up and... He won the game for them. Honestly, he was just ridiculous. He racked up 158 super coach points, I believe. And he was unbelievable, Zay. That's the Dusty Martin show. And the Tigers are in full force still. 
I did forget to mention both of those players. Uh, Wiedering, again, one of my favourite players in the league, was, as you said, incredible. But that one goal that Lynch did kick wasn't even uh, Wiedering's fault. Uh, I do believe Pitney got in the way, so that was a little bit unfortunate for Wiedering's stats, but Carlton as well. And then, as you said, Dustin Martin. I don't normally give him my props on, this, uh, on his props on this show, but he was incredible. It's one of the best games I've ever seen him play. He just he tore us to shreds all game. Um, yeah. No one could tackle him like it often happens. But I found his kicking. Uh, I actually think normally he's a below average kick, but his kicking against us this week was incredible. He he couldn't miss a target, and they were difficult kicks that he just picked us apart with. So uh, well done to him and. Well done to Richmond. The Magpies and the Dogs was the next game, and it was a low-scoring affair, but it's mainly because of Darcy Moore. He, he makes up for the lack of offensive threats they have, and he was extremely prominent and always has been, but for the Dogs, it's their midfield. It's Bontempelli, it's Trelaw, who didn't have his best game, and they still dominated the clearances. Jack McRae, Dunkley... Lockie Hunter, Liberatore. I could go on forever, Zave, and Caleb Daniel in the back pocket as well. Yeah, I think this this game, again, the score doesn't really reflect how it went. Yeah. Uh, the Bulldogs only ended up winning by 16, but they, but they pumped Collingwood in every facet of the game. Yeah, I think I was a little bit disappointed with how Collingwood played, and I was a little bit disappointed of, for the amount of ball and the amount of dominance that uh, the Bulldogs had. I was a little bit disappointed with uh, how much they scored, but uh, they got the win, which is all that really matters in the end. And a takeaway for me was Brody Grundy. I know it's the first game of the year, but he wasn't his usual self. And Braden Maynard was good, but yeah, Brody Grundy, unfortunately, not the biggest impact on the game. I'm not that worried about Grundy, to be honest. He did have 39 hitouts, which was more than double the next best and more than double the, uh, the Bulldogs in total. So I think he's going to be fine. The D's with the 22-point victory against the Dockers. And Clayton Oliver will push for the three votes, given he had 35 disposals, seven clearances at 80% disposal efficiency. And similar to the Bulldogs' midfield, the D's midfield was awesome. I do want to touch on Tom McDonald as well. He had uh, yep. 18 disposals, two goals, two, but he took nine marks, which... I think over the last couple of years, especially since they've lost Jesse Hogan, Tom McDonald has been looked at to be that number one forward and really take take marks, kick goals and be everything you want. And he hasn't been that, but he, he was incredible this week. So well done to him. If he can keep that up, I think Melbourne will probably make finals. Nat Fife, still good. Brayshaw led all comers for Frio with 29 touches and Sarong was handy as well. But the Dockers weren't that disappointing to lose by 22 points, I think the margin should have been a little more. But honestly, on their, on an away turf, I thought they were okay for round one. Brayshaw has been incredible the last year and a half, I think. Um, yeah. I know the Gold Coast Suns gave up the number two pick for Lockie Weller. And that number two pick ended up being uh, Andrew Brayshaw. So if I was the Gold Coast Suns, I'm not sure I'd be too happy about that trade. But... Uh, if I was Fremantle, I'd be ecstatic because that's worked out really well for them. A tremendous performance by the Crows, a 12-point win, and they had a 40-point advantage at some stage, and it was Tex Walker. He he kicked five. It was almost reflective of his own self, 18 disposals, and Rory Laird moving through the midfield continues to pay dividends for the Crows. And Jordan Butt, his first game, 
held Tom Hawkins to one goal, I believe it was, and and just an all-round amazing performance from what was expected to be the Wooden Spooners. Yeah, they were really impressive, Adelaide. Um, I think Geelong were a little bit lacklustre, but not to take anything away from Adelaide. As you said, Taylor Walker was incredible. He kicked five goals too and had uh, seven marks. So. And he, he really imposed like a physical presence. He hit hard, which he's not always doing. But I think this time last year, we were talking a little bit about how perhaps Adelaide should drop Taylor Walker. And I think he's flicked the script a little bit and he's starting to put some good football together. The Cats, and they've got a tough, tough task against the Lions this week, but it's at GMHBA. So another test for them. The Crows shouldn't have really been a test, but... The next game, possibly the best game of the week. Essendon versus Hawthorne, a 39-point lead for the Bombers and the Hawks stormed back to win by a point. And they have the power this week, which won't be any easier. The Hawks was mainly in their bracket, I'd say, for the 15th, 18th quartile. But I think we're a little harsh on the Don save. They actually did look very, very impressive until the fourth quarter and some of the third. Yeah, they looked very, very, very impressive until the uh, halfway through the third quarter, but then they also looked very, very poor for yeah. the, the rest of the game. So I'm not sure, but they have to be better. They have to close games better than they did. So. Yeah, una- unable to suppress the flow of the Hawks. But the Swans and the Lions, and in my opinion, the Swans have the best roster under 25. They have Jordan Wicks, Braden Campbell, Chad Warner, Errol Goulden, there's a couple off the top of my head I'm missing, but what's your opinion on that? Uh, I disagree. Uh, I think there's a, a team that goes by the name of Carlton that also have a very good roster under the age of 25. We've got Charlie Kerno, who, despite not having played for a long, long time, has been very, 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 very good when he has. So I think he's very good. We've got Zach Fisher. He's only 22 years of age. We know how, how much of a gun Sam Walsh is. Caleb Marchbank, when he plays, is a gun as well, but he hasn't played for a long time. Harry Mackay is only 23 years of age, and I think he's a superstar. Uh, Sam Petrovsky-Seaton shows a lot of dominance for us. He's 23. Um, we've got some other ones as well. Silvani's 23 years of age. We know he's struggled to be on the track. Jacob Wiedering, who's just about our best player at the moment, is only 23 as well. So, Also, Williamson. I think Sydney has a lot of the players and a lot of young ones, but I think a lot of them are unproven compared to the ones that yeah. Carlton have had. Like We know Walsh. We know he's an absolute star. And we know Wiedering was in the All-Australian squad last year, whereas these people, uh, Errol Goulden, uh, some of Robot. the other ones I can't think of who you said. Yeah, these players have only played like one, two, under 20 games, so... It's hard for me to say that they're better than the likes of Walsh, Wiedering and Kerno when they haven't played that many games yet. But maybe in the future, we'll see. They have a high ceiling, that's for sure. And weren't they impressive against the Lions? Errol Goulden in his first game dominated and in the midfield as well. Luke Parker didn't have his best game overall, but he didn't need to. The rest of the team just stepped up and what a win it was for the Swans. They'll come back to Sydney and play Adelaide this week, which is again winnable. And who knows, they might be on the top of the table after this week. But the Sunday game, the first game was North versus Port Adelaide and North were great in the first quarter, but they were overrun in the end. Jaden Stevenson with 33 disposals. Yeah, they were they were very, very good in the first quarter, especially Luke Davis Uniac, who I'm a big fan of. He seemed yeah. to have his own ball in the first quarter. So that was very good for 
uh, not only him boosting his confidence, but North as well. But we, uh, Port Adelaide showed their class and flexed their guns a little bit and ran away with this game pretty easily. Travis yeah. Boak as well, just quickly, was elite. Uh, he had 27 touches and two goals. So yeah. Probably the three votes for him. And yeah. Fantasia, who kicked yeah. five goals, five or something, four goals. Four. Yeah, four goals, four for Fantasia in his first game for the club. But I agree, Boak should receive the three Brownlow votes. The next game was the Saints and the Giants, and these are the sort of wins that help you build respect as a contender, in my opinion, on the road, in the wet, against a quality opponent, and with about eight people out, limited Ruckman in his first game, Hunter had the tough task, and Matthew Flynn for the Giants was also impressive but yeah in my opinion a great win for the Saints. Yeah both teams were a little bit underhanded but it was really good from the Saints. Hunter Clark was incredible again one of my favorite players. Jack Billings was good with 30 touches and a goal. Yeah as you said it's a a massive win for them. I think uh, St Kilda and GWS will be sort of competing for one of the lower spots in the finals but so to get a win over someone that's in a similar position to you is always good what do you think about at the end the Dan Butler or tackle or bump on uh, Callum Moore do you think it should have been a free or- look at first I was questionable and skeptical but if you say from a different angle he did tackle him it's an unconventional tackle but he did but yeah, it's it's a tough one to call, and in the moment, it could have gone either way, and if it was play on, there was a minute left, so possibly the Giants could have won, but I don't know. I really don't know from an unbiased perspective. At first, I didn't like it, but they did show an angle, which proved that he managed to grab him. Tough call, and in the end, the calls are calls. You can't dispute them once the game's over. I'm not sure that it was a tackle, but I'm happy that they did call it because if I could change anything in the AFL, I'm always against rule changes. But the one thing that I would like to change is if a player doesn't dispose of the ball correctly, it should be holding the ball or dropping the ball because I don't know what Callum Ward was even thinking running slowly through the middle of the forward 50. It was it seemed very stupid to me, but... He didn't dispose of the ball. He just dropped it. And that should be dropping the ball every day of the week, regardless of whether it was a bump or a tackle. It happens all the time. You see players get tackled and they just get rid of it and they just drop it. Or even like there's a pack and they just just let go of it. And that shouldn't be allowed. And it happens all the time. Uh, I'm glad they did call this one. The Giants' main obstacle was the inability to convert, however. They had 68 inside 50s and they managed 11 goals, 12 so if they did convert, they would have won and ultimately they probably deserved to win, but yeah, they didn't. And the final game of the round was the Battle of the Coasts, West Coast versus Gold Coast. And the main takeaway is the injury from Matt Rowell. We hope a speedy recovery for him. And it's just such a shame in his first game back to see his leg go down like that. But Apart from that, it was a good contest until the last five minutes and the Eagles kicked away. And Oscar Allen had a great performance for the Eagles, but it's hard to go past Matty Rowe. Yeah, I think I wish sports were video games sometimes and you could just turn off injuries because we touched on earlier LeBron James, Joel Embiid, Lamelo Ball, Anthony Davis, and now Matt Rowe are all injured. So, And Dangerfield is going to miss time too, not through injury, but through suspension. So... Uh, it's going to be a, a little bit of a... Or it's going to be a sporting week without some of the stars that we're used to. So it's really upsetting to be Matt Rowell and have just missed the whole of your first season to come back, get the hype back. Everyone's excited to watch you play. Oh, this was actually... I was most looking forward to this game out of all of them. Um, 
but to, ha- to have him get injured, it's not even just bad for my super coach. It's bad for him, bad for Gold Coast, and bad for the AFL world. I'm not sure he's too worried about your super coach save. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Maybe rehab. But yeah, we do wish a quick and speedy recovery for him. Now, I'm going to fire you the games this week, and you're going to give me the winners. Carlton Collingwood. Carlton Just. Geelong Brisbane. Geelong Just. Sydney Adelaide. Sydney. Port Essendon. Port. Saints Melbourne. Saints. Gold Coast North. Gold Coast. Hawthorne Richmond. Richmond. Western Bulldogs West Coast. Oh, that's a tough one. Um, I think the dogs just. And Frio GWS. GWS, I think. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with most of them, except possibly Brisbane, just because of the poor performance by the Cats last week. But I hope you enjoyed this episode, a round one review, some round two tips, and we'll continue this every week, as I stated last week. Save any other notes? Nothing else from me. All right, so that wraps it up. Get better, Matty Rao, and make sure to like, subscribe, and we'll see you next episode. Thanks for watching.